Hey, it's Amino Hassan, and you're listening to the Sun's Solar Panel Podcast. Joining us, as always, Mr. Dave King. Hello. And of course, Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. So we have a really fun midweek that we're uh, going to be putting out on Wednesday, uh, deep dive into Tide to Rome. Before we get into that one, before we get into uh, really the meat of this episode, I do want to talk briefly about Tide to Rome and whether or not he's going to be seeing much playing time for the Suns this season. The Phoenix Suns, they have six point guards on the roster, uh, Ricky Rubio, Johnson, Kobo, Carter, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and uh, of course the two-way and Jared Harper. And I'm just like, are we actually going to see any playing time with Ty this season? I feel like James Jones is overcompensating for something. Maybe it's three years with absolutely no point guard on a roster, huh? Six of them right now. Uh, I think what we're going to see is is we're going to see Ty Jerome wind up uh, working his way into that backup role with uh, Tyler Johnson winding up as the backup shooting guard, uh, uh, and and having there's nothing wrong with having two guys playing in that second unit that could bring the ball up and play that distributor role as well. So having uh, having them both in the backcourt at the same time wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily. So I think he will play his way uh, into minutes. I just don't know that it'll uh, it'll be to start the season. Yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a little bit of a redshirt season unless everything goes sideways and there's injuries. So um, I see him as early in his career in my mind, and I haven't, I don't know because he's a rookie. We just don't know. But I see him as more of a Tyler Johnson kind of role early in his career where we have Tyler Johnson for a year until he gets traded um, or just his contract expires. And when Tyler Johnson goes, then – Ty Jerome will fill in that role because Jerome can do the same things Tyler Johnson can. Low um, uh, low turnover rate, uh, pretty good shooting from the outside, is really smart. Uh, it will take Ty Jerome a little time to get used to the NBA, but he's he's got that minimum kind of skill set where uh, Tyler Johnson will be expendable in that role. And right now, I'm very excited about Tyler Johnson being the third guard. I really am because he's he's smart and he's heady and he doesn't make dumb plays. He doesn't commit dumb turnovers. He's going to he's going to shoot 35 38% from 3. He's going to make enough shots to to be effective. But man, he was super effective last year and he only shot 34% for the Suns or something like that. Um so I I really am looking forward to Tyler Johnson being the third guard early in the year. And then as Ty Jerome matures, gets used to the NBA game, he can take over that kind of role. And then maybe someday he can take over a starting point guard role from Ricky Rubio. Uh, And so I think things are lined up well where Ty Jerome's going to have a, have a steady climb in his career. He's not going to come out and start on day one, unless there's major injuries. Does this also mean that we likely are not going to see virtually any minutes at the two with uh, Bridges? Well, no, we actually, I, I think he's going to, I, we don't know what Monty Williams is going to do. Um, we certainly don't because we've never seen, and he's five years away from, from coaching actually as an NBA head coach. Um, so we don't know, but uh, I would put Bridges at the two. Uh, I'd spot, I'd spot all kinds of lineups looking for mismatches. I, I think we overvalue saying, oh, 
He's going to play the two. He's going to play three. I, I feel like in the NBA right now, there's two positions that, that you know, really one that's that's major. Point guard is, is, is the one, like, consistent position, and then everything else seems fairly interchangeable. Uh, I could see lineups where you have Booker, Bridges, Oubre on the floor at the same time, and it's like, okay, well, who's who's two through through four in that situation it's it's probably a little a little interchangeable you know i i'm not i'm not going to get hung up on you know exactly oh is is bridges playing shooting guard i i think they will they will find ways to get him on the floor with a, a wide range of uh of different guys because that's just how good mikhail bridges is and i think he's going to take that step in, in year two to be even better do you feel like the Suns fans have kind of forgotten about Bridges this this summer? Yeah, but it's it's an yeah. easy type of player to do that with because he didn't have any big offensive explosion uh, in his rookie year. He's capable of it, but he didn't. But he did all the little things. He did uh, what needed to be done on the defensive end and, and just did the smart things on the court. And that's that's an easy guy to, to overlook uh, in in an off season where there was a lot of change, but he's going to be one of the most consistent guys for the Suns this season. I have no doubt about that. Well, he's definitely the thing is with Mikel Bridges is he's not a stat stuffer. So the dude can play forty minutes and he wouldn't care if he's taken any shots. Um, and he's really he's not really a great rebounder. He's not a great assist guy. He will make assists. Um, but you've got to actually put him into an offensive scheme to to have him produce. He's not going to create it out of his out of out of the, his back pocket. Um, so the reason he's being forgotten is because he's never been the focal point of any kind of offensive scheme. And he, uh, well, in the NBA anyway, because he was he was averaged 17 points a game for uh, in college for Villanova in his senior year. But he was another one who grew. He's very much like a Ty Jerome. Um, not comparing athleticism or, or upside or skip, but I just mean Mikel Bridges did three years and he started slow uh, as, as a, as a role player. And then he grew into a primary role in his third season um, in Villanova. And that's really what happened with Ty Jerome. So um, I don't know what we're going to get from Mikel Bridges, but he's not a type A, but you know what? I never would have called Kawhi Leonard a type A offensive personality. Someone just told him, look, man, you're a good shooter. You're a good playmaker. Go ahead and take that ball. But um, uh, Kawhi doesn't like hijack an entire offense to do that. So I'm not, and I'm not comparing Mikel to Kawhi. I just think mentally, mentality-wise, uh, they're the same kind of player where they don't have to have the ball all the time to be effective. We'll get 40 minutes out of Mikel Bridges, and he won't care what stats are on the board as long as the Suns won and he played good defense. The, the, I, I would say if you don't think that Kawhi Leonard hijacks an offense, that you didn't watch uh, very many Raptors games <laughs> during the final three well, minutes. Maybe he's grown <laughs> into it though, early in his career with Pop, and maybe it was Pop. But I never got the impression that Kawhi Leonard was a hijacker. He's not. Uh, last year, last year was a, a little bit wild watching the uh, Raptors down the stretch. Uh, so I, I do want to. We don't do this as often anymore, but I really want to take an opportunity to uh, thank a supporter of the podcast, and that is Daniel Bab. Uh, we really do appreciate you. And if you feel like you get a lot out of the podcast or the YouTube show, uh, and you want to support us, you can do so with a one dollar, a five dollar, or a ten dollar a month 
donation. Uh, if you do the $10 one, I'll personally send you some sun swag. Also, we're going to be announcing our uh, solar panel fantasy draft and all the supporters of the show get first dibs on joining us for uh, our fantasy league this year all you have to do is uh, look in the youtube description below if you're listening on the podcast in the show notes there's a, the support the show button just click that it'll take you right over so again thank you so much daniel bab for supporting the podcast yeah and if if you're poor uh, and you can't do what daniel did go over itunes or wherever you're listening Leave a five-star review because I, I miss being able to say five-star review. So Well, we could read those on the show again. We could, but, you know, we've kind of grown past it. I'm just saying that's an option as well. If you don't want to fund uh, Tim's glasses habit, you can at least feed our ego by leaving us a five-star review. <laughs> so we've been doing the series where we've been comparing – the Phoenix Suns projected starting lineups uh, compared to other teams in the West starting lineups. We did the first half of the West forwards on uh, the episode before last, and this week we're going to finish it up. Next week we're going to finish up the series with DeAndre Ayton and Aaron Baines comparing the Suns' um, center rotation to other center rotations in the West. So let's go ahead and recap who we have projected as the Suns starters in the West in the small forward and power forward positions. That is Kelly Oubre and Dario Saric. Their counting stats uh, collectively between the two last season uh, came out to 41.3. That's comparing points, rebounds, and assists. Their defensive advanced stats came out to a negative 0.2. That is defensive box plus minus, as well as defensive win shares. On the last episode, we had the Suns starting front court ranked better than the Mavericks, the Kings, the Nuggets, and the Wolves. And we had them worse than the Grizzlies, the Lakers, and the Clippers. On this episode, we are going to be comparing them to the Warriors, the Trailblazers, the Rockets, the Jazz, OKC, and the Spurs. Uh, just, just a few good teams in that list, huh? <laughs> the West is hard. So let's go ahead. Uh, and again, this is based on ESPN's uh, projected starting lineup. So if you disagree... I don't really care. This is what we're going with. Okay. <laughs> so starting this off with the Warriors, the projected starting lineup for the Warriors and the small forward position, a slight downgrade from Kevin Durant with um, Alfonso McKinney. Who? <laughs> that's their small forward uh last year. And I do want to preface this saying last you year, you know what played, though, with the Warriors, I really think, um, Clay Thompson will get a lot of small forward time. Well, sure. I mean, he's injured, so he's not going to be playing for oh, a damn, lot of it. Right. But, uh, How did you yeah. forget that? It was kind of a major storyline in the finals, you know. Yeah, that's true. But going forward, once he gets healthy, I think he'll get a lot of small forward time. Now. Right. This is this is the start of the season, so that's what we'll roll with. Uh, McKinney, last season, 14 minutes, 3.4 rebounds, 0.4 assists. Um, he had a negative 1.5 defensive box plus minus a 0.9 defensive win shares. Draymond Green, their projected starting power forward last season, 7.4 points, 7.3 rebounds, 6.9 assists, where it really shined was in the defensive metrics, uh, 3.4 defensive box plus minus 3.2 defensive win shares. Their counting stats, the Suns uh, handedly beat them. Their defensive stats, though. Uh, all go to the Warriors, which is going to be sort of a common theme, I think, as we move forward through the, uh, the, the, the Western Conference here. Yeah, and Draymond, for me, 
is enough to swing this to the Warriors because now that Kevin Durant isn't there uh, with Clay's injury, I think we're going to see the the Draymond that we saw, you know, three or four years ago in their initial finals run, and it's a truly special player, a guy that uh, could easily average a triple-double on this roster with now that it has some holes. I I just feel like his presence alone makes them uh, slightly better than than this Suns forward rotation. I'm sure I will... Uh, take heat for that, but I'm just not going to bet against the guy uh, like Draymond that uh, that is uh, able to do pretty much everything on the court uh, effectively. I just don't know that the, the Suns in totality can uh, can be better than that. Yeah, I'd have to go with that. If, <clears throat> if you're talking about the best overall player, it's obviously Draymond Green. Uh, he just signed that extension with the Warriors, and so he's settled in for the next four years. There is a chance that he's going to come in uh, kind of fat and happy from the extension, but I really think now with Kevin Durant gone, he is going to see that he is the second best player on the team, and he's going to just come in ready to go and playing his best basketball. <clears throat> and with Draymond Green, that's pretty incredible. So uh, definitely, even if it's Alfonso McKinney or whoever as the small forward, uh, Steve Kerr is going to make it work by putting just putting in shooting, uh, and I think uh, definitely we've got to give the give the edge to the Warriors team. I don't see how you couldn't. I I see an argument for the Suns, uh, but I ask myself, would I rather have McKinney and Draymond over Sharich and Ubre? And at the end of the day, if a figurative gun was pointed at my head, I would probably go with uh with Draymond there uh, just for his defensive ability alone his passing there's some obvious shooting issues um that I don't think you should overlook uh but then again the Warriors really they can shoot the ball pretty well uh so I I think I'd probably have to agree with you guys here so collectively we vote that the Warriors starting front court court is better than the Suns yeah I I think there is you know a chance that Sarge and and Oubre reach that potential that that we see for both of them and then this becomes uh slightly in favor uh, of the Suns, but where we sit right now without knowing if those guys are going to take that step, uh, I think that's why you have to give it to Draymond like that. All right, so unanimous, which uh, doesn't happen a whole lot unless we're apparently talking about the Rockets or the Lakers. So the Trailblazers, <laughs> Rodney Hood, 9.6 points, 1.7 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Uh, negative 1.2 defensive box plus minus, a 0.5 defensive win shares. Their projected starting power forward, Zach Collins, last season, 6.6 points, 4.2 rebounds, 0.9 assists, a 3.3 defensive box plus minus, and a 0.3 defensive win share. I actually did not know that Zach Collins was that good, at least in the advanced statistics on the defensive end. A bit of a surprise to me. Counting stats, 24.3 for the Trailblazers. Not that great. Uh, Their defensive advanced numbers, 2.9. Where do you guys fall on the Suns starting front court versus the Trailblazers? Give me the Suns every day and twice on Sunday. I just think I just like what the Suns group there with with Sarge and Oubre 
uh, has potential-wise and, and what they can do and what both of them have already proven compared to the Blazers. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, the Blazers as a team are, are better than the Suns, but if we're just isolating on forwards as we are in this uh, here, I'm going to take the Suns. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to uh, just focus on the forwards, the power forward and the small forward, the Suns got to have the edge here. I, I totally agree. I think they're going to really miss Alfa Rucamino because of the way he played defense. He was like their little version on defense anyway, uh, like a Draymond Green, where he could just guard just about anybody on the floor. And he started making a um, good amount of threes at the end. Zach um, Collins is, is totally different player. And um, he will be effective in his spots, but he'll also be very inconsistent. Um, so I just don't, I just don't see the the Blazers. And in fact, yeah, I just don't see the Blazers outplaying the Suns at those two spots. Obviously, at other spots, the, the Blazers are pretty damn good. Even that one of them, I don't really see the Trailblazers having the edge there. I mean, to your point, Zach Collins, he's kind of a limited player. I think that, that Sharich, uh, while he's not as good defensively as Zach Collins, he just brings a lot more between shooting and his passing. He's a bit more versatile. If he does get switched out on the wing, is not uh, as much of a, a defensive detriment, whereas you don't want Zach Collins guarding really anybody on the perimeter. And then I like Rodney Hood. I don't know where you guys fall with him. I think he's a good player, but I'd rather have Kelly Oubre all day, every day. Yeah, I, I'm very much of the same mindset there, and I think this is one of the few situations where the Suns have the better two players. We've seen a lot where a team may have have one star, and then the Suns have the two next best players uh, out of the grouping, but I feel like this is one where I can confidently say the Suns have the two better players uh, at the small forward and, and the power forward position here uh, over the over the the Portland Trailblazers. All right, so uh, pretty unanimous then. Uh, Suns better than the uh, Trailblazers. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the Rockets, and I do realize that this is probably going to be a little bit of a, a debate uh, if you're listening, watching on the YouTube right now. But again, this is the projected starting lineup. So the projected starting lineup. Uh, for the Rockets is Westbrook at the one, Gordon at the two, Harden at the three, Tucker at the four, and Capella at the five, which would put James Harden and P.J. Tucker as their projected small forward and power forward. Um, so, And if you look at the roster, too, I do think they're basically going to start a, a three-guard lineup. Um, so this might actually be true. Regardless, James Harden last season, and I didn't realize he, he averaged as many points last season. I was a little bit blown away. Uh, 36.1 points, 6.6 .6 rebounds, 7.5 assists, a 1.1 defensive box plus minus, 3.8 defensive win shares. Uh, P.J. Tucker last season, uh, we all know the type of game he has. Uh, 7.3 points, 5.8 boards, 1.2 assists, 1.8 defensive box plus minus, three defensive win shares. Uh, the counting stats clearly go to the Rockets with a 64.5. The defensive advanced stats clearly go to the Rockets as well with a 9.7. Um, I'd rather have James Harden than Kelly Oubre and uh, probably rather have P.J. Tucker than Sharich, although that's a little bit debatable, I guess, with this age that they're at. But we're only talking really about one season. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so I was really looking. I was, I'm looking at the Houston roster because I wanted to laugh. I wanted to laugh about James Harden being their small 
forward. But um, until you tried to plug anybody else in and you're like, it might actually be their starting small forward. Yeah, there is no <laughs> other people to plug in <laughs> on on contract right now. Anthony Bennett, Gary Clark, Isaiah Hartenstein. Those are the only other guys and Gerald Green. The only other guys who even qualify toward a forward position. So, yeah, um, you're going to you're going to get exactly what you just said, Tim. Uh, you, we're going to see James Harden as their as their de facto because he's the biggest of the guards that they've got um, <clears throat> width wise as well as height wise, and uh, PJ Tucker, who's also um, width wise as well as height as far as uh, the medius guy they're going to have. So those will be guys getting the most forward minutes this year. So I'm I'm just shocked at that. Um, <clears throat> having said that, I will take Houston. Obviously, uh, <laughs> I love PJ Tucker. I miss PJ Tucker, and uh, uh, obviously, uh, James Harden just takes the cake there. Yeah, I mean, you could tell me Eric Gordon was going to be the small forward. I still think I'd take uh, the Houston group. What P.J. Tucker does uh, is is a little of everything. Suns fans know what this guy brings to the floor, and I I probably would take him over both of uh, of the Suns forwards if I'm just looking at this season alone the impact he has in totality is just huge for uh, for a team especially one in a situation like Houston uh, with as much talent as they have around him in other positions so uh, I think this is a pretty clear cut uh, Houston overall uh, you know obviously when you include James Harden but I even think uh, beyond that it's it's not that tough uh, shout out to Tyler on the YouTube chat who says that this is the first time he's actually had a chance to tune in to the YouTube version of it rather than listening to the podcast. We appreciate well, you joining going, in. Well, welcome, uh, welcome to a very early morning on a Saturday. And if you're listening on the podcast, fill in whatever time it is uh, for you now there. So <laughs> I don't think Anytime you guys are watching it because this is a recorded video. So just call it that time. I don't think that you guys get enough credit for waking up at 6.30 in the morning uh, every Saturday uh, virtually for three years straight to record this podcast. We do it all for you. I get uh, enough I get enough grief from my family about it, but not a lot of credit from anybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we're pretty much all in agreement there. The Suns forwards are not better than the Rockets. Um, okay, let's move it on to the Jazz. This is an interesting one. I'm uh, excited to see your guys' take on this. So the Jazz projected starting lineup. Joe Ingles, as well as Boyan Bogdanovich. Joe Ingles last season, 12.1 points, four rebounds, and what came as a, a fairly big shock to me, I did not realize this, a 5.7 assists, uh, 0.8 defensive box plus minus, 3.6 defensive win shares. Um, Bogdanovich last season, 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, negative uh, 1.4 defensive box plus minus, 2.8 defensive win shares. Counting stats do slightly favor the Jazz at 45.9, and the defensive advanced metrics uh, definitely do uh, favor the Jazz at 5.8. Yeah, you know, I was trying to, I was really trying hard to argue with you again on who will be the starting forwards, Tim, but um, I'm pretty sure you're, you're right. Um, Neither of those guys is a power forward, Boyan Bogdanovich and uh, Joe Ingles, neither is, but uh, the Jazz are clearly going to have to go with the, you know, the Western Conference does not have a lot of power forwards, period. They really don't, traditional power forwards. So, uh, while some people would say, oh, well, that means Sarge can't play. Well, it also means Sarge might have an advantage in some in some ways as far as at least uh, rebounding positioning. The guy doesn't have huge length, 
but he does get himself to the right spots of rebounding. So um, that at least the Suns won't get killed in that area because a lot of the West is smaller. So when you put um, those two uh, Jazz forwards in the lineup, offensively they're gonna they're gonna be better than the Suns guys for sure, absolutely. And defensively, on perimeter defense and stuff like that, they'll be pretty good. Boyan is not much of a defender, but he's better than uh, you know uh, than a lot of guys. So he's he's pretty good. Uh, Joe Ingles is pretty good defensively. They're good enough to get in passing lanes and, 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 you know, make sure that there isn't just free drives to the rim. But even if there is, you got Rudy Gobert back there. So uh, there's a lot of, of defensive mistakes that can be covered up by Rudy Gobert. So really, I've got to give the whole advantage to the Jazz for sure at the, at the forward spot. Is there a more Utah front court ever than Joe Ingles and Bojan Bogdanovic there? Uh, like it, just, it screams Utah Jazz to me. Take that as you will. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a little closer than you feel it is. Here, Dave, I certainly think the Jazz probably have a slight edge, but if Sarge plays to that top like we think he's he's capable of playing, if he recaptures some of what he did uh, in Philly rather than what he did last year in Minnesota, uh, and Ubre continues to uh, to make that climb like we saw him start to uh, in the second half of last season, I don't think that this is uh, is a a landslide victory for. Uh, Utah's bigs here. Uh, Ingles and Bogdanovich are nice. They're not, you know, great in, in any sense uh, of the imagination. Uh, but since we're we can only kind of determine this on what we know specifically, and not assuming that a jump will be made, I think the slight edge does go to Utah. See, the only reason why I I really don't agree with that sentiment from a I don't like to use this from from a, a accounting stats perspective, and that's where I think when we're comparing the the Suns forwards, they're really at a disadvantage here. Is that Sharich just didn't play a lot with uh, the Timberwolves last year, and I think that this year he's going to be playing a lot more. He's going to be much more of a focal point within the offense, within the defense, really within the entire scheme. Um, and I think that we're going to see a lot more out of them with the Suns than we did with uh, the Wolves. And so to that aspect, I'm like, you know, Joe Ingles versus Kelly Oubre. If we get the Kelly Oubre that we got the last 10 games of the season, and I don't see any reason why we wouldn't, he's on the upswing at this point in his career, whereas Joe Ingles is uh, really at the peak, if not uh, maybe slightly even uh, just past the peak of his career. Um, You know, Bogdanovich, uh, a really terrible defender. I think that charge can be a lot better. Like, I don't see why this jazz front court is better than the Suns. I think the toughest part of this entire exercise in all these positions we've looked at, uh, and we briefly touched on this earlier, is, is that we don't know what Monty Williams is going to run. There are more questions right. right now about this Suns team and what's going to happen. And unlike seasons past, these are good questions. They're things that are truly interesting. They're not they're not doom and gloom kind of questions, but there's a lot of unanswered uh, aspects of this entire puzzle that we don't know. And we were guessing at best trying to fill fill that in. We have no clue what the defensive scheme, what the offensive system, any of these things, or what Monty's rotations are even going to look like uh, because we don't have any real good feel for, for what he's going to do uh, 
because he hasn't been a head coach in a while. So uh, I, I'm very much with you, Tim, here. I, I can easily see these the, the Suns forward group being better than Utah, depending on how Monty Williams u- utilizes a, a Dario Saric. What are, what are we looking at? How does he mold uh, Kelly Oubre? I mean, there's the, these are exciting questions, just ones we don't have real answers to right now. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, you're exactly right. We don't know what Monty Williams is going to do. And you can't really compare a five-year-old uh, scheme, you know, from from back when he was with the uh, the Hornets slash Pelicans. Um, you really can't compare that. He he had a totally different roster. He uh, It was a different age of the NBA. He's been an assistant for a few years. <clears throat> the last, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Um, he's been an assistant, uh, but the, he, and he's seen some different offenses. So who knows what he's going to bring now? Well, and yeah, and it, it, he's he's worked with Pop, and he's worked with Brett Brown. I mean, there's there's guys that I'm sure he's learned and gleaned a lot from uh, in this time that he's going to bring bring into this and, and have a different perspective than the last time we saw him calling the shots. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a vote then. I am going to be the Suns optimist in this group, and I'm going to go ahead and vote that the Suns front court is going to be better than the Jazz. Where do you guys land? You know, screw it. I'm going to I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm going to go with the Suns as well because I think what Monty winds up doing is enough to push them over. Because I, don't, I think this is a, a pretty close, uh, and I think he, they'll get the slight edge here. You guys are clearly not thinking about how Joe Ingles plays against the Suns. The dude kills the Suns. So in any kind of matchup, I think that the Jazz are going to blow the Suns out. Um, I just do on the from those from those two guys. Boyan's going to make a ton of shots, and Joe Ingles is going to make a ton of passes and killer threes. He'll probably go six for eight in one of these games next year. So I I I can't do anything but call the Jazz, and I think my vote is so strong that it outweighs you two. That's not quite how this works. All right, moving on to OKC. <laughs> uh, let's see. A projected starting lineup, Terrence Ferguson, uh, the small forward position last season, 6.9 points, 1.9 rebounds, one assist, negative uh, 1.9 defensive box plus minus 1.6 defensive one shares. Danilo Gallinari, 19.8 points, 6.1 rebounds, 2.6 assists, negative 1.2 defensive box plus minus and 1.8 defensive win shares. Accounting stats that do go to the Suns, uh, OKC 38.3. Defensive advanced stats go to OKC. This is really going to happen every single time. Uh, at point three, though, it's a very slight advantage there. I am a huge fan of Gallo, though Gallo, uh, even though he is in a, a contract year, he does have a habit of um, missing games. <laughs> uh, and I'm just not a very big fan of Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson? Is that who? I, I have no clue who... Yeah, so Terrence Ferguson was basically as uh, I think he was a rookie last year, um, or maybe a second year player, but he's basically there. Mikel Bridges doesn't do a ton of counting stats, uh, but he is the guy who gets around and plays defense and, and can defend multiple positions and make some clutch shots and stuff. So if, if you like Mikel Bridges, you probably like a Terrence hey, Ferguson. I, I think you're, you're being a little bit, a little bit liberal on his uh, defensive game. You think so? Well, I mean, I, I, no, he Mikel said Bridges it because can, he doesn't think so. He just said it to hear his own voice. Mikel uh, Bridges can guard more people, positions. Ferguson's really going to be stuck guarding one or two positions. 
Well, okay. So, so if you're going to downgrade it that way, then um, Mikel. Okay. So what I would do is I would say, would the Suns players start over the Thunder players? Uh, Sarge is not going to start over Gallo uh, when Gallo's healthy, but they may end up with the same number of starts because Gallo won't be healthy. And then uh, definitely either Ubre or Bridges, uh, but we're calling Ubre the starter. He would start over Terrence Ferguson for sure. So here we're back to. The other team has the better overall player, but the Suns have number two and three. Um, I, I, I personally like the Suns lineup better. Gallo can go off sometimes, uh, but he's not consistent as far as when he's going to go off. He's not going to kill the Suns, I don't think. So um, I'm going to give the edge to the Suns on this one. Yeah, I think I'm in the in the same boat here. What we saw from Kelly Oubre, uh, second half of the season, uh, I I think offensively can be just as potent as a Danilo Gallinari, uh, and uh, yeah, both guys are better than than Ferguson in this case. So I'm going to give the the Suns the edge here, uh, and I think Oklahoma City is going to be in for a very long year. One thing I can say about Gallo is that dude gets to live his best life. I mean, not only is he a millionaire playing in the NBA, he's also an Italian model. Can you imagine how well this guy does? Hey, this is Kelly Oubre. Come on, man. I know, but I'm telling you, Gallo, like... I think there was just a comment of a walk of shame coming out of Kendall Jenner's hotel. (laughs) Kelly Oubre. Wait, didn't... Did, hold, hold on, model. didn't Booker date Kendall Jenner too? Are we gonna get some weird? Come on, he kid left the Jimmy Jackson. Where he was. I'm just maybe uh, he's hanging out with Devin Booker, who was hanging out. With oh people. God, don't let's not go down this weird road that Devin, we're about to go down. Devin Booker lives his uh, lives his best life too. There's uh, yeah. Let's just say they all get it. Let's let me say, let me say. tell you, as a fellow Italian model, uh, it is. <laughs> It is a life of that what? you would all plus, love to live. You plus size model. I am. I'm an Italian yeah, plus yeah, size Italian, model. Italian South Park model. Yeah. Which, which, let's be honest, have you seen the kind of food Italians eat? I fit more of the mold of, uh, of Italians than uh, Danilo Gallinari does. So. It's so funny, man. When I was over in Italy, there were not people as 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 hefty as Americans. You're in the wrong parts of Italy. Then they walk everywhere. You're, you're in the wrong parts of Italy. That's right. funny. Uh, Fabio on oh. the YouTube chat, he says, Gallo might be a model, but we got Rubio and Ubre. So uh, the best That's looking right. team still. And not to mention, Devin Booker's not not an ugly guy. I've had many exes who the only reason why they would watch Phoenix Suns basketball with me was so that they could watch Devin Booker, and it wasn't for his basketball skills. Oh. <laughs> Let's be honest. Our our pretty boys actually have a mean streak where I'm not sure Dylan Gallinari does. So... Uh... Kelly uh, yeah. Oubre does have a mean. He he plays really tough when he's on the court. Yeah. I've always wondered if he's actually ever even listened to the Misfits one time. Kelly? Yeah. Why? Uh, because he has a giant Misfits tattoo. Dave, can you please ask him uh, the next sure. time you interview him? Because I've always been very curious about this. I will ask him on your behalf for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on to. Why would these... he have a tattoo if he's never listened to? I don't know, but it's I just he doesn't strike me as somebody who listens to the Misfits. Um, moving on racist. to the Spurs. No, it's not racist. Tim, I'm kidding. kidding. Um, it's a giant uh, Misfits tattoo on his leg. Now I've seen what he's listening to, and it's nothing like the Misfits. Okay, I'll ask. Them. Yeah. All right. So the Spurs. Last team we're gonna uh, compare here. 
The projected starting lineup, uh, DeMar DeRozan, last season, 21.2 points, 6 rebounds, 6.2 assists, a .5 defensive box plus minus, 2.6 defensive win shares. Rudy Gay, last season, I do want to preface this saying that Rudy Gay is on the uh, downside of his career, so I think we need to look at this a lot like we looked at Paul Millsap. Regardless, last season, 13.7 points, 6.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists, a .8 defensive box plus minus, 2.2 defensive win shares. Counting stats clearly go to uh, the Spurs at 56.5. Defensive stats go to the Spurs at 6.1. Dave, you can go first here. Yeah, no, I'm going to – I'm look, I want to give it to the Suns. I think the Spurs are going to win these games. I think somehow Rudy Gay or – or DeMar DeRozan are going to make the big shots. Um, but the Suns have been, if there's, if they've been fairly successful against any teams in the past couple of years, it's for some reason been the Spurs. Uh, so I, 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 I want to give the edge to the Suns on this. I, I've never been a huge fan of Rudy Gay, uh, and I've uh, never been a huge fan of DeMar DeRozan as far as their games, but they are good players. And, and Popovich, who's getting really used to seventh-place finishes, even, even through FIBA, um, I think uh, Popovich is going to get the most out of these guys one more time. However, they're on the downside, and I, I do think the Suns forwards are better. Uh, I, I'm just DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay have a proven track record. I get that they're they're older, in particular with Rudy, but you put that in with the fact that uh, they're working with Greg Popovich in a system that that continues to prove itself out, except on the international stage. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the Spurs here. I just I I don't see the Suns forwards right now being better uh, than than two guys who've who've proven it with a coach who is a uh, a proven quantity as well. I would I'm a huge fan of Demar Derozan. Uh, he's able to get his own shot, uh, highest as player. I just I, I I might have always overvalued his game, and no matter what you think of him, that's fine. It's my vote uh, on this. Uh, Rudy Gay, I like Rudy Gay. I would rather have Sharks than Rudy Gay at this point in their career. But I'm such a fan of Demar Derozan uh, that I am also going with the Spurs on this, uh, but not by a huge margin, but a margin nonetheless. Well, if you go by who you would start, I think I think an NBA coach who wants to win games would start Gay and DeRozan over Charge and Nubre for sure. I don't think there's a question on that. So in, in that regard, you would have to give the edge to the Spurs, even though I previously said the Suns, and I'll stick by that because um, I don't like the Spurs. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. So we have that the Suns have the sixth best starting front court in the Western Conference being um, uh, just behind the Grizzlies, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Rockets, and Spurs, but being better than the Mavericks, the Kings, the Nuggets, the Wolves, the Trailblazers, uh, the Jazz, and OKC. Man, I think we're homers. No, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> we had the Suns starting backcourt as being the seventh best in the West. So now if we've just been looking at the starting lineups versus starting lineups, uh, so far we have them projecting out to be the sixth or the seventh best in the Western Conference. The same kind of thing is going to end up uh, because we'll prefer Aiden over most of the centers um, other than a handful. So, yeah, are the Suns the sixth, seventh, eighth best team in the West? No. 
No, because when you're looking at it as individual parts, it's different than when you're putting it together as a team. And how is this going to mesh and how are they going to play? I mean, individual talent is a different is a different ball game than looking at it as a team. Now, is this team vastly improved from where it was? Yes. If we had gone through this exercise last year, it would have been laughable in a lot of areas as to where the Suns ranked, but they've put true NBA talent at these spots now. Now, it's, it's all about, do they come together? How do they mesh? What does the system look like? Uh, what is the locker room chemistry? If that comes together, maybe they surprise. Maybe they are the ninth, the eighth, ninth, tenth best team in the Western Conference this year. Uh, but that's that's a lot that has to come together uh, before this. Uh, you know, And you're not talking bench either. So Yeah, if we take rookie year, uh, coaching out of it. You know, let's say Monty Williams had been there a few years or whatever. Um, let's do this. If uh, taking the first year coaching out of it where it takes a while to ingrain your new system, players can't learn it and all that. If you give this roster to uh, Terry Stotts in Portland, would this roster make the playoffs if, if Terry Stotts' scheme was all in, all settled, and this is just suddenly a new roster from over the summer? Maybe. I think that this team could surprise. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's about the coaching is what I'm trying to get at. I think Greg Popovich could get this team into the playoffs. I think Terry Stotts could. I think uh, uh, Rick Carlisle would make this team pretty good as well. Um, I think the the variable now, I guess, is the coaching. And one thing working against Monty Williams and his staff is it's the first time they've worked together. And they've never instilled a system that players have to come in and learn. I don't, so I don't think it's that, just the coaching, though. I think no. that a lot of this, uh, if you're going to have an X factor, I think is going to be DeAndre Ayton and whether or not, not only can he put up good counting stats, but can he make a real impact for winning uh, with the team this year? We saw in his rookie year, he was great, but he was also getting played off the court uh, uh, or I shouldn't say getting played off the court. He still played, but he was, he was getting shown up by a lot of centers in the NBA. Just frankly, wasn't used to that sort of size and every center that he was going up against uh, gave him a different challenge. He was often better the second time he would play them. But if DeAndre Ayton can be a real impact player, um, I think that this team could go really far. Well, and Tim, I think the other thing, here is it's time for Devin Booker to prove that he's a true leader as well. It's time for him to to go out there and grab these reins and and help lead this team. Also, I mean the 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 factors off the court are going to be just as important this year uh, as on the court. And does this team come together as a group? Are they committed as a group? to trying to uh, to turn things around here in Phoenix. That's going to be just as big uh, as anything. But I agree, you need Aiton to take that big step as well. There's a lot to be intrigued by here. I won't say excited because we don't know, but intrigued, uh, certainly so. Uh, there, there's a lot that, uh, that could come together in a way that we have not seen in Phoenix in a very long time. Absolutely. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. I just, um, Monty in his third year will be a lot better than Monty in his first year with the Suns. The coach is the, one of the points I was trying to make. And yeah. hopefully he proves himself as being one of the better coaches in the Western Conference. That's what's really going to make a little, I just think it does make a difference. I don't think it's the key. I think, Tim, you're right. DeAndre Aiden becoming uh, an important number two player rather than just the number two player on the Suns. 
uh, is is hugely important that that he gets better for sure. But the coaching is going to help that. And the, the coaching staff, I like the coaching staff that Monty Williams has put together. They've been long-term assistant coaches, well, at least two or three of them. And then um, you've got a couple of new guys like Steve Blake, for example, on the roster who just knows how to win and he knows how to how to make a difference. Um, so I'm really looking forward to how this coaching staff meshes. It's not new guys. Um, if we had done this whole exercise Greg mentioned a few minutes ago, it would have been funny a year ago. Well, we'd have had a whole different take a year ago. A year ago, we just said we really like the potential of these guys because, you know, we're always kind of positive about the team. Um, but we still would have had to give the edge to the other teams because of their experience. Now, as Greg said, Greg pointed out, the Suns have actual NBA players at these positions, so you can kind of predict how well they're going to play. It's all about who puts them in a position to succeed. And, and I think Monty Williams, that's that's on him uh, to make that happen. You know, I, one thing I want to bring up before we get out of here, I know we're, we're almost done, but uh, the efforts of DeAndre Ayton this week to help us home uh, – the country in the Bahamas, uh, great uh, out there getting people in the community to donate food, water, money uh, to send over to the Bahamas. Uh, impressed with that. And then Kelly Oubre came out uh, earlier this week and said that he's going to do a pop-up shop of Valley Boys merchandise with all the proceeds going to uh, to help uh, DeAndre Ayton's home comp- country, who was uh, devastated by Hurricane Dorian. So I, I applaud these guys for using their platform to actually uh, help out, and I'm interested to see what uh, Kelly Oubre's Valley Boy merchandise looks like as well. And, and the Suns have set up a website for people to make donations to help, because uh, I think there's going to be another big storm, or already has started another big storm on in the Bahamas again. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a tropical storm. I mean, it's it's more a, a pain in the ass than it is actual uh, detriment to who physical structures and things. But yeah, I mean, at this point, they don't want any more pains in the right. asses either. So there is a website uh, set up for making donations at sons.com slash relief, R-E-L-I-E-F. Um, so if you go there, if you want to help out, uh, there are a ton of devastated people there. DeAndre Ayton collected a whole busload full of supplies plus plus money donated as well. And that's just, you know, tip of the iceberg. And um, I know uh, it's just, there's just so much relief needed there in the Bahamas that any any little bit you can donate would help. So the last time I was um, in the Bahamas, I went to Freeport first because uh, I've been several times. And Freeport always kind of reminded me of the uh, Detroit of the Bahamas where it's it's really industrial. It's not really a place that you want to stop at. But regardless, you know, we stopped there. Um, and the amount of damage that they still had from a previous hurricane that was 10 years before uh, was just mind-blowing. So I can only imagine what – how long they're going to need assistance there for this storm because this was much more detrimental and then Nassau the other island that it hit I've been there many times as well and uh, a beautiful beautiful spot uh, in the Bahamas and just truly sad really everything that it went through I know that uh, the people of the or the the guests at Atlantis, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Atlantis, but Atlantis is right by Nassau, uh, that the guests that were staying there actually helped the kitchen staff and made ham and cheese sandwiches for everybody that had been impacted there. Um, but for the the people of Nassau, just absolutely detrimental as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I just, it's, it's impressive to me that uh, 
that these guys, I, I know it means something, uh, obviously to, uh, to DeAndre and, and it's, it's heartwarming to see when guys use their platform like this to do something to, to, to help people that they, they truly care about. So I just wanted to take the time to, uh, tip my hat to, to, to DeAndre for, for doing that. And if we ever get our Basin Boys merchandise rolling, we'll do a pop-up store. And we'll, uh, we'll donate We'll donate our money there because as the great Ron Wolfley uh, mentions, it's not really a valley here. It is a basin, basin when you're looking at it. So we will be the uh, the Basin Boys. So, All right. So, and on that note, thank you everybody so much who joined in on the YouTube chat this early in the morning, listening to the podcast. If you ever want to join us, we tend to do these episodes Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Arizona time, usually Wednesdays uh, as well, 7 p.m., though this Wednesday is actually going to be a pre-recorded one, so we won't be there live for you. But regardless, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast, for tuning in on the YouTube. Uh, We do appreciate you spending uh, part of your day with the Sun Solar Panel podcast. Good luck.